0: So we are kind of been back on this journey, you know, a couple weeks ago. Well, it was one of the first weeks in January. The Lord kind of spoke to me and He said it's harvest season. Amen. Okay. We've kind of been walking through this journey, what that looks like. What, what does it look like to harvest? You know, I, mean? I, I touched base about it. It was confirmed by more than one witness that this, this is a season that we're walking into, this season of harvest. Um, but the Lord quickly, now we're talking about souls at that time we're talking about people being one to the gospel people being brought into the kingdom of God but the Lord quickly reminded me sometimes the harvest is just receiving what he has for you at the time it's that word that speaks to your heart that goes and gets planted inside it. which is funny that Peter was talking about this at Lake this morning that's that word of God that's planted in your heart and bears fruit now it's time to harvest that fruit that what that word does to you so The Lord has led me to go, we're going to, again, we're back in the book of Ephesians. I've been going through it line by line, um, preaching about it. In chapter 1, we really talked about our position in Christ. What does it look like to be in Him? You know, that we're blessed and that one of the things about our position in Him is that our position in Him is to partner in His purpose. You know, then we talked about the Apostle Paul's prayer, you know, this this is a great prayer. If you ever want to pray this prayer out in Ephesians one, pray it every day. It's so that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling. That you that, that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Um, that prayer just opens up doors for us to see who Jesus really is, right? And then we finished up in chapter one last week talking about um, being raised in Christ, being redeemed, and that part of our this redemption, part of this um, our inheritance is the Holy Spirit, and that we are His treasure. So we're gonna, I'm going to start in verse Ephesians, along verse 22, and then I'm just going to continue into chapter two, because it's kind of like a little seamless flow here. Verse one ends, and verse your your chapter one ends, and ver- chapter two takes off, but they kind of connect, right? Ephesians 1, verse 22 says that he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And he made alive, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all conduct once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You know, that kind of sounds like a bad part of Scripture. They're talking about, you know, we're children of disobedience and that we're serving the prince of the power of the air. But we we have to remember what this whole passage is talking about, right? In verse 2 or in verse 1, he sums this up. And Paul says, and he made you alive. Right? We talked last week about position in Christ. This is our position in Him. He has made us alive who were once dead. Right. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be alive in Christ? Well, alive is the opposite of dead. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're dead, that means you're not alive. We were dead. So, but what he's talking about is that we were dead. Mm-hmm. This was, this was, this experience that Paul is laying out here was before we knew him, before we were in him. Paul tells us in this that we were dead. But I want to contrast some things here. I want to have have us look at this. Paul tells us what it looks like to be dead, but in other parts of scripture it tells us what it looks like to be alive. Paul tells us that we, how we were dead, and I want to contrast that with what our true position is in Him. Um, Ephesians 2:2, 2, 2, in which you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works the sons of disobedience, by among among whom also you were once conducting yourselves in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. You know, I, I, I need I need you to um, understand. I'm not going to finish that verse, but. At the end of it it says um, excuse me it says by nature right I want you to notice this one thing that it's pertaining that pertains to the statement that this was our nature before we knew Christ. This is not who we are now, Mm -hmm. right? This was this was the old man before we were born again, before we were saved, this is what Paul's talking about. This isn't our position now. We don't, we don't have anything to do with this. Um, it was our nature, and it, the reason it was our nature isn't because of what we did, right? Romans five twelve says, "Therefore, just as though one man, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin." And thus death separate spread to all men because of all sin. Right? This was this this nature was brought on by Adam. So we're not born into this nature. But remember we, we, we've been talking about this for the last three weeks. I love buts. But God. But but Jesus. But right? Because it changes your whole mindset. We read a little bit farther in Romans, Romans 5 17 says, For if by one man, one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Right? It's Adam sinned, but Jesus mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah. We, 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 we make a differentiate through. Adam sin enter through Jesus Christ life entered. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, remember it says he made us alive. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. He did the work. We get the benefit. Amen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um that scripture verse uses the world, uses the word of this world, right? The prince of the powers of this world. This is a picture of dead. The world is ruled by some, by someone else. It's not ruled by Jesus. When they make this reference here, they're talking about the prince of the power of the air, which is in reference to Satan. But again, we see, but God. But God, in verse 4. But God made us alive. Colossians 1, verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the powers of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. They're talking about the prince of the power of the air, which are the reference again to Satan. But God has now transformed us from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom that's ruled by Satan, into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We no longer belong in this world. We belong in a different world. We are in the world, but we're not part of the That's world. Right. We're called to be, to, to go alongside those that are in the world and bring them into the other kingdom. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is the harvest. Paul talks about sons of di- disobedience, you know, and I can, I have a a, you know, I, I got to be careful, I don't want to throw my brother under the bus, but, uh-huh. My brother was a son of disobedience. If you told him the right way to do something, he would do it a different way just to prove you wrong, and then he'd probably fail at it. But it didn't matter what you told him; he was always going to do something different. That's just the way he was, and I, sometimes I think that's the way he still is. But um, he Paul gives us a glimpse of what this looks like in Colossians chapter three. I don't want to. I don't want to like. Super hyper focus on what this looks like, but what I'm trying to do is paint this picture of the difference between dead and lo- death and life is in Colossians 3 5 It says, "Therefore put to death your members which are of the earth: fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience." You know, he he said, "This is what it looks like to be disobedient. If this is what it looks like." To be dead. But God. Verse 7 says, In which you yourselves once walked and you lived in them. See, you now we've all been there. We were all dead at one time. Right? Not in a physical sense. Right? We will, our physical body will pass away at one point in time unless Jesus comes first and then we just get raptured and whatever, however that looks, we're not going to get into that. But spiritually, we're dead to God. Right? I'm not saying He didn't love you, but we weren't alive. We weren't in Him. But now, verse 8, but now you... Colossians 3, verse 8, But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And you have put on the new man. Right? We're talking about the difference between death, what death looks like to God, and what being alive to God looks like. But Paul uses this thing over, he talks about it a lot, Put on, what does that look Put on, I don't think it's in this scripture, but put on tender mercies. He, he uses this all throughout his letters. Put on, it actually means to clothe yourself with, to put on the garment of, right? To put this up, to put on. What did he say? He actually says to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, right? We're supposed to put on the image of Christ we, bear, we now have we bear that image once we believe in Jesus right we need to put that on we need to put that on us so that we represent him to the lost and dying world we need to and I, I know that's why back in Ephesians 1 Paul says that you he prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Yeah. So that we understand what Him looks like. So we know what to put on. Colossians 3 says 11, or just to continue, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. I knew I was read it somewhere. <laughs> put on. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. I jumped way ahead of my sermon, so that's okay. But put it on. Put on, take off the old ways and put on the new ones. Put on the new man. But I love this. Verse 14, this is is my favorite part of this whole message. But above all these things, put on love, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is the bond of perfection, right? If if I can teach you anything, and if I can share with you anything, if you're putting on love, people are gonna see love. If my coat speaks love, and my shirt speaks love, and my pants speak love, right? What I'm putting on speaks love, people are gonna notice it, and they're gonna see it, right? The same way is if you put on all the other stuff that we talked about right. when to Go back and revisit. People see the outside, and I hate I hate to say that way, but people see the outside, right? Now we as believers know that there's an internal part of us too, mm-hmm. the spirit side. But people that are unsaved, they see that outside. They know what love looks like. Mm-hmm. They don't know it properly. Right. But First Peter four eight kind of reiterates this and says. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. You know, when you wear that coat of love, sometimes that that little thing that you did wrong last week, that's kind of eating at you inside, it's covered up. Love hides that stuff, you know. (laughs) But it's It's his love, right? Because of his love for us. My mom going somewhere with this, so bear with me, but I know this is a lot to grasp. I love to teach it, but I've really come to my in, in my walk, in my time with the Lord, in my time in the world to I can stand up here and tell you what to do. I can tell you, put on this, take this up, put on this, do this, do that, do this, do this, right? But, yeah, exactly, but God. <laughs> um, but I've learned that if I could tell you the why behind it, and the how it's a lot more people mm-hmm. right yeah has anybody heard of simon sinek has anybody heard the name simon sinek simon mm-hmm. sinek is a motivational speaker slash um, i don't know what your title is but he's got a, a lesson he talks about apple computers mm-hmm. it, he, he goes this whole thing about apple computers and why apple computers are so successful why is that business above all businesses in the world um he talked about the Motorola Razor, remember the old cell phone, the Razor cell phone, they had the aluminum cases and the acid-resistant buttons. You guys are probably too young to even know what I'm talking about,
1: <laughs> right? If it didn't have
0: a touch screen, you didn't know what I'm talking about. Right. But this was like, so the, the Motorola up with this cell phone and it was it was really hot. It's They sold thousands and thousands of them, millions of them probably. In four years, you never heard about them again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what what is it about Apple? Why? What is it? How come they're so successful and how can they keep going forward, right? Listen to what he says. Your why is your central belief. It is a concept that motivates you to get out of bed in the morning. In terms of an organization, it is the reason you're in business. According to Simon Sinek, Apple does this extremely well and it's the key to Apple's success. Right? Instead of having the what and the how lead us, it's the why. The why is our vision. And this is why Apple's so successful because they don't have a vision to make a neat cell phone. They have a, a, a vision to, um, it's written here somewhere. Like I guess I didn't put it in your to just explain it. Um, it. it's basically their vision is to through technology I'm not gonna say it right. So anyhow, the why behind what they do is more important to them to the how. But the why gets them to understand the how and the what the how and the what. Mm-hmm. Right? Does that make sense? to my make it sense to you? The why is the vision, it's motivated behind your your service or product its the mission that you stand for. This is from that article I read. And the how are the practical steps you need to take in ach- to achieve your why. The how is the practical operational knowledge that brings a vision to life, right? I know this is sharing from, but I, I, we, the reason I put this in here is because I watched it at work. We watched this video. We're, we're doing a, a big project at work where we're changing the our our service pro- program network and how we do that is going to be important but we had to back up because we, we all had our halls but we need to be more community orientated we need to be um, employment first based we need to we all had our halls right but why are we doing it <laughs> because the federal government said we were have to right the federal and that's not totally not true but it's because we wanted to provide a better service for the people we serve, right? It could come, let's, let's bring this back full circle to the church. Why are we here? Why are we here today worshiping and praising God? Yes, we want to reach other people, right? That's the why behind what we're doing. We want to see the lost saved. Mm-hmm. We want to see the blind healed, the lame dance, right? Yes. That's the why. Now let's get to the how.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) It's really what Paul is doing here in Ephesians. Verse 1, again, chapter 2 says, he made alive. Right? Here's the why statement. He wants to see people alive. Mm -hmm. This is Paul, but he's portraying what Christ wants. He wants to see the lost saved. He wants to see hurting people healed. He wants to see the poor rich. He wants to see the people that are bound freed. That's why he's writing this letter. That's why he's telling us these things that he's telling us. Mm -hmm. Um, But in verse 4, he kind of makes another shift back um, to the how and how God does this. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. You know. Again I said but God. Right? Mercy is not getting what you not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you have not earned. Or what you don't deserve. The how is it's through his grace and mercy. That's how we get to where we need to be. We'll explore that in a little bit. But he goes back and he gives us a why. Why are we doing this? Well, I, gotta, I gotta make sure we understand this. Why are why are we trying to learn that you are sa- saved by grace through faith? Why? Why, why, why is this, any of this matter? It's because of love. Yeah. It's because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart and your heart and you want to share that and you want other people to see that that's the why. Ephesians 2 6 says and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus here's how he did it here's how he did it now remember I told you we're going back to the how he raised us up God has raised us up into a place remember when we're in him now we are together in those heavenly places with Christ we don't have to live down here as dogs, right? You remember the, the fires I cannot say that word. Fire, the, the lady that said, even the dogs eat the crumbs from fire nation. Is that right? <laughs> Am I saying the word right? The fire nation woman? right? We don't live in that place as dogs anymore. We've been seated in heavenly places with Christ. Right? And he goes on in verse 2, 7, and he says, in that in the ages to come, He might show the exceedingly riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Right? I've heard this preached many times. That in the ages to come—that means when I go to heaven, right? But that's not what He's talking about. That's not—it's part of what He's talking about. But when He says in the ages to come, Paul wrote this about what 70 years after Jesus was on the earth. Anything in the ages to come is from that point forward. Right? Remember they, that Jesus said, "I behold, I come quickly, and that was 2,000 years ago? <laughs> in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He's, they, they, this has happened. And they really come, if you really want to think about it, those ages to come really started after the resurrection of Jesus, huh? after he died on the cross was crucified, was buried and rose from the dead. Those are the ages to come. They're not some future thing that we're looking for. It really is our, again, our position that God put us in. It's in that position. In the resurrection. that the, the ages to come to see the exceedingly riches of His grace In Christ. This kind of really is where I want to camp for a little bit, these next two verses, because um, this is a foundational doctrine. I know when we, we first started talking about the book of Ephesians, if you wanted to pick, a, pick any book in Scripture and you wanted to put doctrinally, and you wanted to pick doctrine out of Ephesians covers a, a huge percentage of it when you go through and you look at it. But the, the, the doctrine of by grace through faith Salvation by grace through faith is captured here in Ephesians two eight. It says, "Full by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." I got to share. Um, it was interesting. this smart. Um, I was putting this together yesterday, and many of you guys know that I've been helping out at my mom's church up in Bethel. And I didn't talk about it because I knew I was going to talk about it in church today. But um, I got there and. So what's been going on? Our has been putting ministers up there to help fill the pulpits and things like that. Pastor John has been there. A couple of other guys are... Pastor Joe is coming this weekend. And I preached there many times. And right now I'm at that point where I'm just serving. I'm just helping them in the, in the media, doing whatever they need to do. It's three-tenths or eight-tenths of a mile from my house, so it's not like it takes me a lot of effort to get there, right? Um, but the Lord just said, just help them. See what's going on. See what happens, right? But I walked into this morning and I had message about grace i was teaching bible study this morning and it's funny because i started the 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 minister that was preaching today was not part of our fellowship never met the guy before never i didn't even know his name until he walked in the building and i spread ephesians 2 8 and 9 and he goes he just put his head down and shook his head and he goes really and i said oh yeah really why and he goes because i'm preaching on ephesians 2 1 through 10 which is exactly what I'm preaching today. So you know the Spirit of God had a message for the people in Bethel today, Mm -hmm. as he did for the people in St. Paul. But um, we went through this, we'll talk about this when I get to that point, but I I just needed to share that because obviously the kingdom of God needs to hear something about Ephesians Mm -hmm. today. So, but I'm going to camp out here in these two verses for a bit. We're really going to dig deep into some of this, but... um, A few weeks ago, I shared again, and again, I shared this morning about being the season of harvest, and that this harvest needs to be put in our heart and it needs to bear fruit. Um, but I talked about the core doctrine. Um, but when we think about harvest, this really is talking about salvation, mm-hmm. right? This, this, two scripture, these two packages, two verses of scripture are talking about salvation. They're talking about souls. And I think the reason that the Lord wants us to go through this is because it really is a proper way to communicate the gospel. It helps us to understand what it means to share our faith with somebody. These two verses, it's huge. If we don't have an understanding of what grace, salvation, and faith is, we're going to miss it. And I don't want to say that we're going to be perfect every time. That's not the expectation. But the expectation is that God highlights something in here that you can use when you're sharing your faith Mm -hmm. because remember it's harvest season the Lord told us it's harvest season it was confirmed Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind right but where is everybody the Bible teaches us that through Patience, faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So when God promises us something, we just need to stand out and say, okay, Lord, what does that look like? What do we do? How do we partner with it? Where do we move forward? Now, I'm saying this, I'm not discouraged at all, because I know what God said, but I know people that have, well, how many people do you have coming on Sunday? Four? Five? Seven? It doesn't make a difference. This is what God's asked us to do and we're going to step into that and we're going to keep pursuing that. I know Cheryl shared a testimony about we're trying to do a a community meal and we've invited people from the community to come and nobody's answering the phone. They're just like, "Mm -hmm." but that's not because we're not doing what's being asked. It's because there's resistance out there and we stand against that. We pray against that. But the word grace, let's 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 really look at this. It says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace. What is grace? What does it look like? Let's, you know, so if somebody would do me a favor and pass these all out. I love technology. I love computers because I can just copy and paste this out of here and I don't have to go pick this all up myself. (laughs) But we're not going to go through this document. This is for your own personal reference. There's some there's tons of scripture verses that I'll use to Talk about it, but this is going to help you understand what grace is um, above and beyond what we're going to talk about today because there's more to it. But so grace from the from Strong's Concordance means acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, grace, joy, liberty, pleasure, thanksgiving. Um, and there's a, there's a little sub note here, and it was really interesting to me when I read this, and if you kind of unpack it, it says abstract or concrete. Remember, this is in parentheses now, so it's not like the actual definition, but it helps to enhance. Abstract or concrete. Literal, figurative, or spiritual. Especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the light. I thought that was interesting. We're talking about what, we're, I'm just going to try to define what grace is, and then we'll use a, a different method to do this. But um, Thayer says it's goodwill, loving kindness, or favor um, of the mer- Especially of the mercies, kindness of God, which exerting His body influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, and increases them in the Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindness, and kindles them towards the exercise of Christian virtues. And then Webster's—I I always use the eighteen twenty-nine version of Webster's. It means favor, goodwill, kindness, disposition. Um, when you really break this down, and you dig it all out I just look through all the the the, defi- the biblical definitions what the Greek says it is what um, and it really means favor grace is favor mm-hmm. right it looks different but it's favor and it went so what but what is favor what is that mean? I, I go I keep going down these levels right I, I, I just love digging in because it it helps you show Favor means an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. Remember, we talked about mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Favor. It's it's a simple way to remember what grace is. But I, I think, personally, the best way to define a word is to go to the Word of God and let the Word of God define it, because it really enhances the word, You'll look at your little sheet here, Um, if you look down about halfway on the first page, it says, faith and grace is described as, and it gives you all these scripture verses. I'm not going to go through them all, but there's a few of them that I want to look at. In our text, Paul refers to grace as a gift. Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2 he says, it's the gift of God. And John 1.14 says and the word became flesh and dwelt among them and beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and then we jump down in John 1.17 says for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ so when we think about grace make sure I say it right that Jesus was full of grace. Mm-hmm. So everything that Jesus operated was out of that grace of God. It was out of the favor of God, right? It, but grace came through Jesus. It was given to us through the person of Christ, right? It's when Jesus died on the cross that grace was released to us. Acts refers to grace as great. Ephesians one seven says it's rich. Colossians two nine says it's exceeding grace. First Peter four says it's the manifold grace, the many faceted grace. Um, does anybody know what a manifold is? Have you ever seen a manifold for a car, where it's exhaust manifold? It's got four ports and they kind of all tunnel together, but it, it's 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 one leading to many. The word grace is more than just one thing. It can look. You can have grace to teach teach. you can have grace to preach you can have grace to raise people from the dead you can have grace but the grace for what they're talking about in this in this passage of scripture is the grace for salvation it's the grace for forgiveness of sin because that's where what leads you to salvation that that's what that lets you to have that relationship with god I want to move on, and I want to ask this question. What is this grace for? I guess we just answered it. I'm getting way ahead of shooting all my questions before I get to them. What, What is it for? What is this grace of God for? It's for salvation. What's the purpose of it? It's for salvation. Why is it so important that we need to understand it? Why is it so important that we understand what grace is? You can answer me, you don't have to be quiet. Okay. It's because God wants to see people from dead to alive, right? His whole purpose is to bring us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, right? Once we're in this kingdom, all the rules change, right? That grace that God gives us, that God pours out of us, Through his son Jesus Christ is to get us to that place where we're now in the kingdom of God, that we're born again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're saved by grace. You know, I've had conversations with people before, and, you know, it's like, are you saved? And they're like, what do you mean? They have, they don't have a response to it. They don't even know what it means to be saved. And some people are just like, "Get away from me, you freak! Go away." They know what it means, but they don't want to admit to it. I've had those conversations, and it sucks to have those conversations. But when we understand grace, it helps us. It helps us. We talked about our condition before Christ earlier grace we once were lost right this was our position before Christ we were lost we were in bondage we were sick it's all it's it's often referred to as the unregenerated condition but when you look at the word saved it changed this 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 is this was like very eye-opening to me when I've discovered this, not recently, but um, what does it mean to be saved? Right? It, it, it's okay, God gives you a gift, but what is that gift for? That gift is for salvation. We're, that's what we're talking about today. I know we can go down many, many, many paths with that, but the gift, the, gift, the gift of grace that God has poured out through Jesus Christ right now is the gift of salvation. But what does it look like? What does it mean to be saved? Does it you know, I asked the question, people don't know. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about this? Isn't that like a movie quote or something? <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to be funny. Um, what does it mean? Well, let's go look. Fancy I asked that question. Uh, the Greek word for sal- saved or salvation um, is the word sozo. And, it's, and it means, the definition means to save, that is deliver or protect, to heal, to preserve, to save, to do well, to be whole. Right? It's not just deliverance from sin, as we all think about salvation. You talk to a lot of people that believe, it's like, well, I'm going to heaven, that's what it means to be saved. right? That's a partial truth. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not all the truth. Thayer writes it this way, he says, to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. Um, to save a suffering one, one suffering from disease, to make well, to heal, restore, to health, to, to persevere one who is in danger of destruction, to save or rescue, to save in a technical biblical sense to deliver from the penalties of the Masonic judgment, I thought that was really interesting. We're actually, when we are saved, we when we are saved by grace, we are delivered from the penalties mm-hmm. of the law. We're not under the curse anymore. Mm-hmm. To save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the Masonic promises. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. the dictionary defines saved as per- preserved from evil. Think about that. So it's not just that this is a one-time thing. Right? This, this whole idea of salvation is that it's ongoing. And I've heard many ministers preach this, and I believe it, that you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. right? And you can, you can make a case for it in Scripture. You are saved the minute you accept Jesus as Lord, and He lives inside you, and He lives in your heart, and you and you're, you're saved, but you're also in the process of continuing that salvation. Right? Paul says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Like, keep, keep pressing into this. Keep understanding more about it. And then there'll be that one day that we don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't need to work it out. It's just going to be there, and we'll be with Jesus forever. Um, there's an interesting story. Remember the man with the withered hand in Luke chapter 6? that Luke chapter 6 verse 9 says and Jesus said to them I will ask you one thing is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil to save life or to destroy it the reason I read that scripture is because what happened to save life what did he do he healed us it, it doesn't say that his sins were forgiven although I believe they were right he healed it So salvation, sozo, is not just the soul. It can be the body, too. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's for healing. Actually, the King James, in the word sozo, that's translated saved in the New King James, the King James says, made well. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mark chapter 6, verse 56, says, when he entered... into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made, well, were sozor, saved. We talked about many faceted, the, the idea of grace being multi-manifold, or manifold, right? We're seeing that in this same word as sozo it's not just one little area it's encompassing every part of us spirit soul and body I I think we all understand that concept of eternal salvation when it comes to forgiveness of sins but do we really get the extent of what sozo means with the word sozo what it means to be saved right We we talked about grace the grace for salvation. In verse 8, it's again, we're back to Ephesians 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God's. But here we see Paul kind of adds a little caveat. We're saved by your grace. You are saved by grace through faith. He's, he's given us a little spin on this. What does it look like? What, how do we understand that? I thought, didn't we just read that it's by grace you have been saved through faith? I keep flipping those two words back and forth and I don't know why it's easier to say it that way. Not of works, but now you say it through faith. Well, what is faith? Mm-hmm. If we don't understand what faith is, what biblical faith is, and where it comes from and how we get it, then we miss the point of it. Mm-hmm. Faith is a conviction of the truth of anything. It's belief. In the New Testament, of a conviction of belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Generally, the idea included trust and holy fervor of faith and join with it. Faith relating to God is the conviction, firmly held belief or opinion. Conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion that God exists as a creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Um, Relating to Christ, a strong and welcome, here's that word again, conviction, a firmly held belief or opinion that Jesus is the Messiah, through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Webster says that belief with, is belief, it's belief with a predominant idea of trust or confidence whether in God or in Christ, springing from faith in the same. So what does it look like? We are saved by grace through faith. Excuse me. What is We just have faith in itself is trust. In a simple form. You you can study this and study this and study this and we can preach on it and we can preach on it. Faith is trust and belief combined. Let's let's just simple it simple that way. Faith and belief are so interclosely twined that you almost can't separate them. Really, the root word to believe, or I'm sorry, the word believe is actually, it comes from the root word faith. Believe means to have faith in. Mm-hmm. Simply put, that's what, the, that's what the scripture teaches us. That's what the Cooke Garden says. It's to have faith in. They're so intricately closely con- twined, you can't separate them. Let's look at another story here. I'll, I'll go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. let we'll start at verse 25. Acts chapter 16 verse 25. It says this. It says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awake from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud with voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Then he called for a light that And ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" Right? This miracle happens. And we didn't read the whole part of the story, but the big prison's shaken. The the doors are all opened up, and Paul and guys just hang out in prison. They didn't run out and leave. I think it's awesome. (laughs) I'd have been like, "I'm out here as fast as I could go." Right? But he's like, "They're like, eh, whatever.' We'll figure it out." But the jailer comes and says, what must I do to be saved? What did Paul answer? Paul answers them in verse 31. He says, so they said, believe. Right? Now that, that word is, um, I'm sorry, I didn't say the Greek word. It's the same word that's translated as faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Right? I, I want you, remember we were talking about what faith looks like. Faith looks like belief. If we, if it's works, salvation-based faith is trust. It's built on belief. It's believing that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is the Son of God and that he died for the rest not it doesn't, it doesn't mean the other side, there's other sides of faith that we can get into and we're not going there today because Faith does promote works. But in this instance, when they're talking about salvation, there's no work behind it. I want you to notice a few things about Paul and them guys. Paul didn't tell them that, hey, you know what? Um, read John chapter 1, verse, and through John chapter 17, and when you find Jesus in there, underline him in your Bible, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it next week. Okay. He didn't tell you to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on some toes today. But he didn't tell you to go say a prayer. Mm-hmm. I'm not discounting prayer. And I'm not discounting reading the word. But you have to understand my heart here. He didn't say, if, if you pay your tithes, then you will be saved. Or if you get baptized in water, then you'll be saved. He didn't say, give everything to the poor and then you can follow me and be saved. He said, believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have faith in. Jesus. Trust Him. You see, this is good news. This is the good news. This is the gospel, man. Amen. It's the simple gospel. It's not complex. Mm-hmm. We make it out hard. We, we try sometimes too hard to to make it fit what we think it should look like, to put our little spin on it, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we, it's it's as simple as believe,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Why why am I standing up here preaching this? So why am I telling everybody this? Because it's a matter of life and death,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? If we preach the wrong gospel,
1: yeah.
0: If we tell people the wrong thing. They could die because of it. Right? I'm not worried what it looks like when someone crosses that from into this kingdom, right? God will deal with them when they're in this kingdom. That's that's, that's His promise. He'll deal with them. Right? Our job is to get them there. And that's to get them to believe. To believe that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We're going to finish up, wrap up here. Ephesians two verse ten says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared him that we should walk in them." all just—he just goes right back to the beginning. Remember, in the beginning, he says, "He made alive." Right? He, he's kind of summing this all. He says, "For we are his workmanship." It, it doesn't say that we are his slave. And we strive to do all these things. We are His workmanship. We are a product, of, as believers, we are a product of God's work in us. Oh Our part, again, is to believe, to trust. And trust, some of that trust is just to believe that His grace is sufficient. Oh Hebrews 11.6 says, For faith, or without faith, is impossible to believe. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is God, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But faith worketh through love. We need to trust. We need to put our faith in him. We need to believe. That's the beginning of our journey, right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to paint a picture here, but that, that's the end. Yeah, that's the beginning. We start there. We start at a place where we receive what we need, and we keep moving in that direction. We just keep taking a step, and God says, okay, okay, okay. But we need to believe. We need to believe that he is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He's the risen one. He's the Christ. He's Yahweh. He's, we can go and list all the names of Jesus, right? And all the names of God. But we need to believe. We are saved by grace through faith. not it works. It's that simple. That's our message that we preach.
1: Yeah.
0: Father, we just thank you. We just just give you praise and honor today. We worship you, Lord. Father, I pray that this be taken to heart, Lord, and that this message be preached from this pulpit and from every every person that ministers your word, Lord, that um, it is your grace that saves, Father. So we just thank you that you have given us your Son.